Welcome to another episode of A Pastor and His People. I am Pastor Dave Keene, and again, I'm here with John Whitaker. Hello. Uh, we, we pray this has been encouraging to you. Some of you have commented about how these are edifying as we're kind of looking at, at the text uh, after the sermon. Uh, I'm going to read the text, uh, 1 John uh, 2, 7-14, through 14, and then we'll just talk about it for a few minutes. Beloved, I'm writing to you a new commandment. Not a new commandment. No new commandment. Let me just start over there, guys. <laughs> Beloved. I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment, that which we've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. That's my turn now. Yes, it's your turn. Okay, question. Um, So you mentioned the part about uh, no new commandment, but an old commandment. Right in the to love one another, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that the old and new is maybe signifying the new covenant love that we have the Spirit of God love that be different from the Old Testament. Uh, yeah, I, was, I think that when Jesus says in John thirteen thirty four, a new commandment I give you: love one another. I think that there's this idea of there's there's something that's um, miraculous uh, about the New Testament love, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that of course we've been. The Old Testament tells us to love God, right? Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The Shema, Deuteronomy 6. Uh, so I, I do think that that's something we should have been taught before. Mm-hmm. But the kind of love that God is acquiring the church now, I think, is deeper, right? Hmm. You know, even in, um, you know, I think maybe rightly understood Old Testament correctly, right? Then I think it might be the same. But okay. I think that Jesus kind of reinterpreted in in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, right? Like I kind of referenced that Matthew mm-hmm. passage. Uh, love those who are, who are different than you. Love your enemies. Yeah. Um, so I think now that we have the ability to do it because of the, the new covenant spirit. Okay. Yeah, that was gonna be my my question. Is there a difference between the Old Testament love and New Testament love? That's... Yeah, I mean, I think in general, I I, I don't I, w- I wouldn't say I would say no, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when we read the command, love God, I think that means the same in both the old and the new. Mm-hmm. I think the ability of the church to love is different in in the new than the old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Point two, the lie of darkness. Um, you, John makes this kind of notion, and you kind of hit on it. There's what, love your brother, or hate your brother. Is that really the only two options that we have? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. You know, one commentator was talking about how does John really mean that all people who are not part of the church hate the church? Um, I don't think that's what he means, right? I don't think it's like you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the John often talks in blacks and black and white, light, dark. Love, hate, mm-hmm. righteousness, unrighteousness. I mean, he just kind of speaks in that way. Uh, I do think that there was probably people, uh, bless you, within the um, uh, the community, within the, the, the separatist community, the cessationists, as, as they're often called, the Gnostic, those who believe in the Gnostic heresy. Um, they probably were very against John and the apostles, and just. A light reading of Paul and Galatians might think that Paul would have words, and the apostles may have issues with, with this, yeah. uh, just because of how how important sound doctrine was. But I do think that there is an implication here that either you know maybe that 
the way that Jesus talked, right? That either you love God, love Jesus, or you, to, to, you know, those who hate their mother and brother, right? right. The, the love compared to what you're supposed to have should look like hate, you know, something maybe to that effect. Mm, okay. Um, and then you, uh, quoting MOK, right? That who is their God? Uh, is Do you think there is uh, something tempting Park Baptist to replace God? As our God. Uh, is there something tempting to replace God? No, I don't think that, that the idea of who is their God is something that will replace God. I mean, there's always idols at every age, right? I mean, we live in America in the 21st century, so there's going to be idols of comfort, idols of reputation, idol, idols of, of, of sex and pleasure. I mean, those are just going to be idols that we, that we struggle with, reputation. I think that what I was trying to draw out is when the world... Um, and specifically, Dr. King was looking at the churches in the, in the American South in the 1960s. He didn't see love. He didn't see brotherhood. He didn't see community, right? And I think that um, when the world looks at the church today, is that what they see, right? And I think this is the idea of what we're talking about now, picking through politics and race and in our, in our, in our church. Um, how do we continue to show a community of love in the midst of disagreements and differences, right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I think that's that's what I want people to see. I want people to see our church and not ask who is their God. How could they believe in the same God, the God of one, the God of love? Yep. You know, when there's all this division and strife. No, we want to be a church that we can be d- different. That's part of the uniqueness God made us. Yet we are overwhelmingly loving one another. Um, and, that, and that quote was you know, Martin Luther King. Uh, is there something that made you want to use MLK for your intro as an example? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So obviously, you you read the passage, right? The word "writing to you" comes up three or four times, right? So I just started thinking about what are famous letters written in American history. I did a little research there, and the one that just kept coming back was um, uh, "Letter to Birmingham Jail." Read the letter to Birmingham Jail, and I think that his appeal to um, there is there's not love coming from the church. I thought was fitting to this passage. So I thought that was an easy way to kind of connect it. And of course, I've been thinking a lot about race because of our talk coming up this Sunday night. So I think it was just fresh on my mind. Um, John, uh, when he gets poetic here at the end, uh, he tells young men, fathers, this is younger, older. Do you think the younger, older is age or do you think it's something spiritually? You know, I, this is kind of, I, I think it's age, right? Okay. I think the children is referring to all the, the body of Christ mm-hmm. and fathers, those who are older to young men, those who are younger. Um, you know, that's kind of my, my, my reading of it. I don't think that, that that's going to be, I, I can, can prove that definitively from the scriptures, right? I think that John uses children several times in this letter. He usually always refers to the whole body of Christ, my right. dear children, to just in, in, in two verse one. It, would make, it would, doesn't seem to make sense to me. He says two children here. In two one, he says, my dear children, referring to the whole body of Christ, and then just a few verses later, right. he says, I write to you children, meaning, wait, now they're just babies, right? But maybe young the, men? Yeah, yeah. Well, young men, um, you know, I think there's a there's a specific call, maybe what the, the temptations of young men that they, they battle, okay. right? You know, uh, again, that's just kind of a, good, a general idea. Okay. I think it could be possible that it could be referring to young infant believers, those who are kind of young in their faith, and then those who have been mature believers. I do think it's probably more reference to, to age. Right. I think that the, the word um, for fathers, yeah. the only place I think it's in the New Testament is First Timothy 5.1, where it says, you know, I encourage you, 
do not rebuke uh, older men, but encourage them as fathers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's definitely related to age. Huh. So that's where I think a lot of the, at least the, the, the interpretation that I fell down with was probably most appealing. Good. Um, now you said uh, that your hope, that your prayer, as you were going through this, you know, uh, that we would have a radical love. In our city, in our time of age, what would a, a radical love look like for people at Park Baptist? Now that, my friend, is a great question, right? Um, I think it's going to look different to, to, to different folks, right? Okay. Um, you know, yeah, you know, I think obviously just people who have different political opinions breaking bread, fellowship with one another, right? In our society, you can have, have relationships with people that you disagree with and, mm-hmm. and love each other having people into your home um, and deep friendships that don't look like you, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who is, you know, 18, having friendships with someone who is 90, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's a sweet thing. Uh, someone who's, um, you know, from, um, you know, a different nation, right? Developing a deep relationship, you know, with someone from the States. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in our church, crossing even language lines, like mm-hmm. working across that to say, well, no, you're my brother, right? You know, so we have lots of Spanish speakers here where, you know, English is not their first language, and they're our brothers, Right. There are brothers and our sisters in Christ. They're part of our family, la familia, adios. You know, so I think that there's, and how does that look, right? You know, I think we don't want to just give platitudes and just say, hey, yeah, we want to, you know, get along, right? Getting along is at least something, right? Yeah. Romans 12, be at peace with all people. But I think there's a deeper sense of like real, true family and sharing and sacrificing your money, sacrificing your time to care for those in need. Um, you know, so yeah, so I think that, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe go back to you. How would you think that people would see that love? So I think I'm more on the, if you use the word radical, you're pushing people out of comfort. And I think that's going to be, um, and I think every time you, you say radical, someone's going to hear that. And when you actually say what it means, they're going to be a little bit discomfort, right? I think that's kind of the idea is, like, when I say what I'm about to say, I feel like the first natural reaction would be like, ooh, I don't know if God's called me to that. <laughs> uh, which it would mean, like, I think especially in our, I, I think I worded it the way I did, city, time, and age is we live very comfortable lives. And so it would, for me, if you want to be radical to where the world would see something not like themselves, it'd be a lot of sacrifice of money and comfort for other people. Be discomfort. So, having people in your home more often, giving more money away, things like that to where for people love, so that people would ask, who is their God? I think the temptation is to live a life where people won't ask that, that you look like everyone else around you. Yeah, so, you you know, opening up your home, right, for a meal is one thing. Opening up your home to have someone live with you is something different, right? You know, um, it's a deeper, deeper sacrifice. You know, driving um, a comfortable car that's maybe a 2018 mm-hmm. versus a car that's 2008, right? That may not be as nice. Um, there's different, I mean, that's just one example, right? right. Okay, I'm, I'm going to choose the lesser so that I can, you know, be a blessing to, to others. Right. You know, there's lots of different questions we have to, you know, to make. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's best to have, have a nicer car so you have less payments or so you have like, a, like you know, have a regular you know, upkeep or whatever. Right. Um, we all know that some people need need those kind of things. Right. Um, but I think that the the pushing against like laying things down, it's tough to go against your flesh. Yeah. It's tough to lay those things down. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, cancel your Netflix subscription. Yeah. So you can really spend more time in the Word. 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, go to your budget, you know, and just, and I think that's where the hard part is. Some things will happen, opportunities will present themselves for you to be sacrificial. I'll tell you this, you know, Christians, we really want to be proactive and look for ways that we can sacrifice. So be ready, like have a room ready for someone to like, be asking around if someone need a place to stay yeah. or a car or things like that. Well, I'm going to think about like, you know, Dan and Kathy Mass, right? So mm-hmm. they moved so that they could have a house where they could actually move someone into their home, mm-hmm. right? So they, they, they sacrificed by, you know, getting their house ready, mm-hmm. selling their house, going looking for a house that specifically could have interns live with them, and then moving someone in their house for six months. Yeah. Like, that's sacrifice. Now, right. they would say it wasn't a sacrifice. They did it freely because those right. are the kind of folks that they are. You know, and people have done it throughout our, our, our church. Yeah. But I think, like, one of the, my prayers, right, in terms of this radical self-sacrificial love mm-hmm. is if if we really want to make it, like, more impact and lostness, I think we have to figure out how to train more pastors and missionaries. Mm-hmm. And the ways that we do that is by we need to pay pay them a salary, but we can't afford, as being that's the size church we are, a full salary. But if we provide them housing, mm-hmm. right? If people continue to open up their homes to a married couple, even to a married couple with a child, mm-hmm. right? Oh, man, I think we could really do some, you know, some training and yeah. really prepare people for the field. Yeah, make it make it impact for the kingdom. You know, it's going to take everyone and a little bit of sacrifice. It's yeah. going to take everybody. Right? Yeah. And to think like, you know, I think that when you realize how much God has done for you, this is where John's going here, right? He's talking about light and darkness. He's talking about, listen, the people are living with the, with the reality that people are walking away from the church, right? He's yeah. just, he's about to turn into antichrist, right? And talking about people who have left the church. Mm-hmm. Like when you have a, a split, the church is grieving. They are hurting. And they're talking about people who are, he's speaking against these people because they have walked away and they're being, they're being harsh. We don't know exactly what they're doing, but they've left the body. And right. that's hurt people. And then John turns around and says, but hey, you're loved in Christ. Hmm. He who is in you is stronger than he is in the world. You overcome, you've overcome, you know the Father. You have, your sins have been forgiven on account of his namesake. So I think that John is just very pastoral here, right? These people are hurting and they're grieving, and then, which I didn't even draw out, right? I probably didn't even think about it until just, I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah. Because when you said that, I thought it was very interesting. The, the radical love and just radical, I think. Maybe it's a word we use too much, or maybe, I don't know, just... I think you're right. I I was trying to push people out of our comfort zone. Yeah. Right? You know, and, um, you know... I thought it was really good. That's why I wrote it down. Anytime anytime you um, preach and you push, try to push people out of your comfort zone, you have to push your own heart out of the comfort zone first. Mm -hmm. What am I willing to do? I can't plead with the people of God to do these things if I'm not willing to do it myself. Um, And so you're constantly you know, fighting your own flesh as you prepare a sermon, you know. So I think that you know, the Lord's trying to speak to me in my own heart. Lord, you know, Dave, continue to, you know, be self-sacrificial in your love. Mm-hmm. Give yourself, right, when you are spent. You know, continue to do that for others. Yeah, that's good. Uh, here's my last question. Uh, so you made a reference to John's poetry, right? So in verse 12, it turns to poetry, and you said that he's been kind of speaking to their head. Now it seems like he's trying to really speak to their heart and their emotion. Uh, do you think there's an application there for us, you know, for our own quiet times or our own walk with the Lord? Can we maybe be not speaking to our heart or not speaking to our head? Yeah, I think the natural bent of uh, the Western Christian is to, uh, let me say this. Okay, there's two kinds of Western Christians in my mind. Mm-hmm. There's Western Christians who only appeal to emotion, 
right? Mm-hmm. Let me just say the things that make me feel good. And then there's the other kind who really wants to appeal to truth and sound doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think those are mutually exclusive, right? But I think maybe in our circle, uh, people may lean on truth, right? And they mm-hmm. want to be precise in their doctrine. And they may not be as, as joyful uh, in their relationship with Jesus. Um, so I think that we have to be careful, right, to make sure we hit all the emotions. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons, one of the recommendations I should say that I encourage people to do in their own quiet time is to sing, right? Mm-hmm. Get an old, own, old, an old hymnal and um, sing to the Lord, right? Because the, the song is kind of put into poetry. It's the emotion of the heart, right? So, you know, uh, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole, this nail to the cross, and I bear it no more. Um, that's that 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 rips your heart, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, you think about those songs that we sing. Like there's there's something to them. You know, it kind of stirs the emotion. So if you're only thinking about the cross um, as, you know, Jesus saves me from my sins, and that's good, right? Um, but you know, the thing I was going to quote in the in the weekly email, you know, uh, Richard Sibbs, um, we have, uh, you know, what did I what did I say? Let me just, let me just I'm sorry, I don't I don't, I don't want to miss say it. It's really really good. Um, anytime you quote a Puritan, you should always make sure you quote him exactly because it could be uh, it's always best for you. Anyway, he says this. He says um, there is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. That's hmm. just beautifully poetic, right? Yeah. And I just you know, reminds my heart that no matter what I feel like and how I feel, I feel like I'm failing people, my goodness, I can give glory to the Lord because God's mercy, more, God's mercy is more. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I think that's probably instruction for us that we should probably not just think about it, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe even write poetry yourself. Write a poem to the Lord about His goodness. That's know. good. So, that's good. Would you pray for us, friend? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that you have called us out of darkness and into your a marvelous light through your son Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection Lord that though our sin is much Christ's mercy is more thank you Father for that good reminder and for that sacrifice of Christ Father and we thank you Father for the gift of the Holy Spirit who encourages us and who convicts us Lord I pray Lord just uh, as the word has gone out Lord that you would have convict us and encourage us Father to walk and to trust Christ more show us Lord help us Father to uh, find ways to uh, apply your word to our lives, Lord. Maybe different ways that we can radically love uh, your church and you, God. Help us, Father, to stand out from the world, that we may be bold witnesses to Christ and his glory, Lord, so that one day we will die and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord, we pray we pray this, Father, not only for our good, but also for your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.